Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. For the believer, the Bible says when you are weak, he is strong. It's when you think you got it going that you're really weak. It's when you think in yourself, I got this. God's like, that's what you think? You got to just step back. Go on, go on. Miss, I got it. Go on, mister, I got this. And, and God will let you go see what you got, you know. But the position of strength for the believer is when we know, God, I'm nothing. I'm weak. I can't do anything without you. God, I'm at your mercy. Help me. For the believer, that is a position of absolute power and strength. The world says that you are strong when you have it all. Status, money, nice things. This life can more easily lead to pride and less dependence on God. In today's message, Pastor Bill will show listeners that it is when we are at our weakest that we are the most usable by God. This spirit of humility is not easy to adopt, but those that do are equipped to do much more for the kingdom. Have you allowed pride to slip in and squeeze out God? The Lord wants to do His best work through your humble heart. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 7 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. The Lord is interested in exclusivity with you. He said, I want you to serve. I don't want you to serve me and something else. I want you to serve me only. Samuel understands this and Samuel instructs the people. God's not interested in people doing, trying to do both. I'm, I'm going to continue worshiping Baal and Asherah and serve God too. God's like, I'm not, I'm not having that. I won't have that. I won't have that. I'm not interested in that kind of relationship. You got to serve me only. God wants us to be exclusive worshipers. Only worship the Lord. Can't worship God and something else. And so these are the instructions that Samuel gives to the people of God, the Israelites. And then he makes a promise. If they'll do these things, right? What are the four things? They got to return the Lord with all their hearts. Number one, number two, put away the foreign gods, the bowels and the asterisks. Number three, prepare your hearts for the Lord. And number four, serve him only exclusive service to the Lord. If they'll do this, verse three says, and he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. The Philistines have been whomping them, been whipping them in war. Samuel says to them, if you guys will get right with God. God will give you victory over your enemies, the Philistines. You won't beat them. God will give you victory. God will do it for you guys. So now look what it says in verse four. It says, so the children of Israel put away the bowels and the asterisks and served the Lord only. Something that's unique in this chapter because Israel's been disobedient. I want you to know at this point they heard from Samuel and it says, so they did. So they did it. Samuel said, this is what you guys need to do. And here it says, so they did. We're going to look at verses five and six. And again, they're going to be told what to do. And it's going to say, and so they did. So they gathered, you know, there's a humble obedience about them right now. That's always when we're in a good place. When you're in a good place spiritually, there'll be humility and there'll be obedience. Amen. When you're slow to obey, um, you got a hard head. Anybody know kids, you got a hard head. You tell them something and you got to tell them more than once. Uh, what they say, a hard head makes a what? All right, I got some old school people here. A hard head makes a soft behind. That's what I grew up understanding, you know? So uh, so you you didn't want to have that hard of a head, you know? And so there now, there's a submission about them. They're they're listening. Samuel tells them what they need to do, and it says, so they they did it. So they 
put away the bows and asterisks, and they served the Lord only. Now verses 5 and 6. And Samuel said, gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered together at Mizpah. And I want to stop right there. Here's another thing he told them to do. Samuel told the people, gather everyone together at Mizpah, and I'll pray for you. And so it says, so they did. I want you to notice how quick they got this new rhythm of hearing and obeying that's happening in their life. That's what personal revival looks like, you guys. If there's going to be a personal revival in your own heart, your own life, that's what it's going to look like. Hearing and obeying. Heard from God, did what God said. Heard God, obey God. That's what private revival looks like. Now, if you can get a whole bunch of people to do that, that's what big revival looks like. If you can get a whole bunch of people that'll listen to God and obey him, that'll be revival. There'll be the hand of God at, move, at moving in a, in a major way. And so, again, Samuel told the people of God, gather at Mizpah and I'll pray for you. And it says, so they gathered. Uh, so they gathered together at Mizpah. They drew water and poured it out before the Lord. Before I go to the fasting, um, this was an interesting thing. I looked up what that means, um, that they drew water out. Now, for some of y'all that grew up in the hood, People would pour out alcohol for the, they would say for the dead homie. So if somebody was drinking beer or alcohol, they would, they would pour a little bit out, you know. Uh, and, and we know that the dead folk ain't able to drink it, but it was, uh, symbolically they were pouring a little bit out for the dead homies. This is kind of close to that, right? As they pour this water out, it's like they're pouring themselves out to God, symbolic of God, we're pouring out ourselves to you. Um, and so they drew water and they poured it out before the Lord. Then it says, and they fasted that day and they said there, we have sinned against uh, the Lord and Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah. Now, fasting is a it's, it's an important aspect of the life of the believers uh, right here. This time of fasting was for repentance. Now, as you look throughout scripture, there were times where people fasted and prayed for many reasons. Sometimes they needed to hear from God. They needed God to move in a significant way. But there were times when there was fasting, there's prayer and fasting of repentance. Uh, if you guys remember in the book of Jonah, when the people of Nineveh heard that God was going 40 days and judgment was coming, it said the, the, the king of Nineveh said, everybody's repent and everybody fast and sackcloth. He says, the animals ain't even going to eat. Everybody, he put the animals on a fast. Your dog, your chihuahua going to be hungry for the week. You know, like everybody's fasting for this week or whatever. And let's just see what God will do. As we humble ourselves and as they fasted and prayed and repented, God received it as as repentance. And he he was he, was, he took away the judgment he was going to bring about. So here this fasting and prayer is is symbolic. It's, this is what they're saying when they're saying, God, there's nothing more important to us right now than that we get right with you. Even eating food is not as important to me today as it is that I get right with you. So I'm passing on food and we're praying and we're fasting and we're repenting and we're acknowledging we have sinned against you, but we want to make it right today. And God received it. Uh, we're going to see in just a moment. So that's one reason that you could fast and pray of repenting before the Lord and you are, are making some serious steps to turn things around. You can fast and pray. Biblical fasting is, is putting food away. All biblical fasts are dealing with food. Uh, I've, I've been in churches where they say, well, you can fast TV. No, you can't fast TV. You don't even need TV. You know, th here's the thing with a fast, right? You need food to eat, right? Your body needs it. So from the time you were born, you came out of the womb and you, you had a hunger and you went, you were nursing on mom or sucking on a bottle or something. You had an appetite your entire life. 
however many times a day, whatever your, whatever your rhythm is, your body says it's time to eat. It's a time for some nutrition. I need it. If I don't get it, I'm going to be hangry or whatever you're going to be. And so um, you got a natural bodily thing that goes and says time to eat, time to eat, time to eat. So when you, for spiritual purposes, say that's going to happen, and I'm going to tell it no today, all day. Today I'm fasting. For spiritual purposes, I'm telling the flesh, shut up. I'm going to listen. I'm, I'm, I'm tuning in to God in a greater way. That's what fasting is. Now, there's partial fast. There's, there's you know, absolute fast. If you look at the fast Moses did, it was food and water. You can't do that one very long um, before you'll be in some trouble. Um, most biblical fasts were just no food but consuming water. Um, there was the Daniel fast where he ate vegetables and water for 10 days. But fasting is is abstaining from eating food. So don't let nobody fool you. When the, you know, I'm a fast Facebook. You probably turn that off anyway. But you know, don't, don't call that a fast. You, if you're going to fast a biblical fast, you're going to pass on the plate. Now, you could do it for one meal, two meals, three meals, one day, two days, three days, ten days. Up to you. God doesn't put any parameters on how long do I have to do it? He, he never tells us. Everybody here gets to decide. Um, the Lord can lead you. The Lord can direct you. God can lay it upon your heart. There's no hard, fast rules on fasting. You got to do it for this long or you got to do it on these particular days. But it is a spiritual discipline that we see throughout Scripture. Uh, something important to note, and then we'll move on. In Matthew chapter 6, as Jesus is speaking to his disciples, he deals with three areas of, of Christian discipline. He deals with charitable giving. He deals with praying. And he deals with fasting. And in all three areas, he says, when you fast, pray, give, he says, don't do it like the hypocrites. They do it just to be seen. They make a big old show when they give, they blow trumpets so everybody can see when they fast, when they pray, they stand on the street corners. When they fast, they let their face look all grimy. So people say, what's wrong? Oh, I'm just fasting. I haven't eaten anything all day. I'm praying for the church now. You know, so he said, don't do it like that. That's they, they have their reward. And so in each case, he says, but when you give, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. When you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. When you fast, clean your face, look normal, your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. This lets me know that when you fast, give, pray, this is between you and the Lord. And so, you know, it's something that God said, hey, this is between us. Don't, don't make a big show about it. But it, it is powerful. Because I want you to note the words, right? If God says, if you do this in private, your father who sees what you're doing in secret, I'll reward you openly. I'll show up in your public life about what you're doing in your private life with me. That's a cool promise. That's a cool promise. So here, um, now you can fast as an individual. You can fast as a nation. You can do it together with people or all by yourself, for different reasons. And, and, um, and in this case right here, again, this is a corporate fast of repentance. And they acknowledged before God that they had sinned against the Lord. And it says Samuel judged the children of Israel there at Mizpah. So, you know, this is important. Samuel was, uh, you know, even though he was a prophet, he also functioned as a judge of the children of Israel. He was the last judge. So if you go through the book of Judges, each of the different judges, these and the, and the word judge, it's not like a judicial judge. These were the God-appointed leaders, deliverers, if you will. Um, Samuel was still functioning in this way over Israel. Even when Saul was raised up as king, there was a few times where God pulled Samuel and had him, because Saul was such a donut, 
Uh, God says, God, give me, I need Samuel to fix it. I mean, you put Samuel in charge real quick. Let him, let him square some things away. And so um, he was a, an important leader um, for Israel. Look at verse seven now. Now, when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. I thought this was interesting. As Israel is finally turning to the Lord, the enemy hears them praying and fasting and crying out to the Lord. And it, and it just like the enemy that when somebody get turning back toward the Lord, he's like, what can I do to disrupt this real quick? I'm going to send I'm going to send the old boogaboo or I'm going to send the old somebody. I'm going to Satan to show up right away. Just what can I do to disrupt this new thing before you get deep in it? He'll send an old friend, an old relationship, an old temptation or something. Well, the Philistine, the old enemy, they heard. They overheard. They heard what was happening down there. And I believe I don't know. I can't say this emphatically. This is my belief. Right. This is what I think as I'm reading the scriptures. I think that they saw weakness. They look at them. They down there crying. They down there weep. They fasting. You know, like, man, we we could take them right now. We whipped them when they last time there was a shout in Israel when they had the ark and thought they was going to do something. And the Philistines said, man, let's get gird up like men and fight. And they went and whooped them. This time they're like, they're down there crying and praying. They look weak. They look weak, man. We, we should go get them right now. Here's the thing that they didn't understand. For the believer, the position of strength is weakness. Amen. For the believer, the Bible says when you are weak, he is strong. It's when you think you got it going that you're really weak. It's when you think in yourself, I got this. God's like, that's what you think? You got to just step back and go on. No, miss, I got it. Go on, mister, I got this. And, and God will let you go see what you got, you know. But the position of strength for the believers when we know, God, I'm nothing. I'm weak. I can't do anything without you. God, I'm at your mercy. Help me. For the believer, that is the position of absolute power and strength. So they looked weak. But they wasn't weak right now. Now they're, they're the best they've ever been right now. Now they've repented of sin. They done fasted. They done sought the Lord. Samuel's praying for them. And the Philistines are saying, let's go mess with them right now. That's going to become, that's going to be a mistake for them. Look at verse uh, eight now. At the end of verse uh, seven, it says, and they were afraid of the Philistines. I wish they had to been, but they were. And, uh, and for good reason, right? If you've been beat up a few times by somebody and they roll up again, you're probably going to be afraid. You know, the last couple of times we we thought we had you that one time and we got whooped up real bad. I mean, so they're afraid because they haven't had good success yet. Verse uh, eight, though. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, do not cease to cry out to the Lord, our God, for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. I want you to notice something. If you guys remember when they had the ark, they didn't pray. They didn't cry out to God. They said, we got this ark. And they thought it was like a lucky charm. They said, now that we got this ark, we can whoop everybody. And they didn't pray. They didn't cry out. There was no humility. Do you hear the humility in prayer? Prayer lets you know who you're trusting in. If you got a weak prayer life, you probably trust in yourself. It's when you know you can't that you'll make the time to get on your face and say, God, I need help. I'm not able to do this in my own strength. I'm not strong enough. I have failed before. God, I need you. You don't have to wait till God humbles you. You could just humble yourself. You could take this as a reminder. As we watch what God does in Israel when they humble them, we could say, God, I'm reminded. But, you know, I, I didn't veer off too far, but I'm reminded tonight. I just need to be humble before you. I need you, God. 
I need you for everything in my life. We can just pull up to the Lord afresh. God, I need you. And I'm acknowledging that I need you in every area and everything that I'm doing. And so, but I want you to notice they're, they're a plea. They're Samuel, please, Samuel, please, you pray for us. Don't cease to cry out to the Lord, our God, for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. And so, I mean, Samuel's going to be a faithful leader. And that's what leaders need to do. Leaders pray. Leaders pray for the people. Um, Samuel was a, a faithful intercessor interceding for the people of God. Here's a cool thing with, with, with regard to spiritual leadership. Anybody that's called the spiritual leadership, you should want for the people that you're leading what God wants for them. What God wanted was he wanted his relationship with them to be solid. And everything Samuel said to them was helping them get their relationship solid. If you guys look at everything Samuel said. He's just a conduit. He just, he's like, I'm telling y'all what to do to get right with God. Turn away from the asterisk. Stop worshiping idols. Come back to God with all your heart. If you do that, I know God. I know he'll, then you'll have some victory in your life. Samuel knew what they needed. He's just conveying it to them. And then Samuel is doing the other part. He's, I'm talking to you guys on God's behalf. And now I'm talking to God on your behalf. And he's just the middleman here trying to help there be reconciliation between God and the people that he loves so much. That's a good spiritual leader. Just trying to connect God's people back to the Lord. Keep them tight with the Lord. Anybody here that's blessed to be a leader in someone's life, that's what you want to be faithful to do. I want to help connect you with the Lord. Um, I, want, I want that connection. I want to, if I can help you be stronger, connected with him, that's what my positioning in your life is about. So, But Samuel does it beautifully here as uh, they cry out to him and he cries out to the Lord on their behalf. And so now look at verse 9. It says, and Samuel took a suckling lamb and he offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. Then Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel and the Lord answered him. Uh, this is very important, right? A suckling lamb. This is a young little baby lamb. Did the lamb do anything wrong, y'all? Little baby, little cute little lamb, you know, little, little cutie, little, 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 little cute little nappy white fur on it and everything else. But they took it. They had to slit its neck, bleed it out, chop the body up, burn the carcass, uh, sacrifice it to the Lord. This is a picture. This little innocent lamb, before Samuel went before the Lord, he offered this little sacrifice. Took this little suckling lamb, sacrificed it before the Lord, burned it and offered it to God. Then he prayed. Here's the picture. It's in the same way that we have access to God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He was the lamb slain for the foundations of the world, the innocent lamb of God. And because he bled for us, it's on account of him that we now come before the Lord and say, God, God, I'm, come, I, I'm, I'm entering into your presence. I'm coming before you in light of what Jesus has done. I don't even have entrance into God through prayer apart from the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So in the same way, Samuel didn't just rush in in prayer. He said, well, first, first things first sacrifice the lamb now that's the atoning sacrifice now because we had there was sin that had to be dealt with now we've atoned for the sin the innocent lamb paid for the sin to the guilty now we come before you lord well jesus is that innocent lamb for you and i paid for the sin to the guilty that now you and i have the privilege of prayer that we can pull up a chair and come before the lord don't ever forget that prayer is a privilege to the believer afforded to us because Christ died on the cross for our sins. Something else that was accomplished at the cross. Amen. 
All right, so Samuel offers the lamb and then he prays. The most important part of verse nine, it says, and the Lord answered him, right? So he, he prayed and God answered back. God said, you know, he got an answer back from the Lord. Verse 10 says, now as Samuel was offering up the burnt offerings, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. So they showed up while he's in the middle of the offering. Perfect timing. They don't know that they messing up big time. The Philistines are just stupid. They just, the enemy, they don't know, like, you, you, you showing up at this the wrong time. You, you done found Israel humbled and praying and finally repented. Now the sack, oh, y'all about to get it and y'all deserve it. I like a good story. They about to get what they deserve. So it says, now as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel, but the, but the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day. And so confused them that the men of Israel went out to Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and drove them back as far as below Beth Car. So God does something when it says he thundered against them. Some people think that um, this thundering against them, God was making a point. The, the worship of Baal, one of the things they thought Baal did was control the weather. And so, um, you know, they had there were pictures of Baal with a thunderbolt in his hand. Um, that was how they pictured him. And so some people thought God was saying, check this out. Y'all was worshiping who you thought he was in charge of the weather. I'm a thunder against these fools. And uh, so God threw down some thunder and he thundered against him and it brought confusion among the Philistines. And in the midst of that confusion, Israel was able to pursue them and drive them back and push them out of the area. Then verse 12 says, then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shin and called its name Ebenezer saying thus far the Lord has helped. So at this point, God has, you know, been faithful. God has driven back the Israel, the, the Philistines. He thundered against them. He confused them. He gave Israel victory over them. They were able to chase them back out of town, chase them all the way back as far as a Beth car. And then it says that Samuel takes these stones. Uh, he takes a, a stone and he sets it up between the area of Mizpah and Shin. That's where they were having the victory at. And he named it Ebenezer. And it means thus far the Lord has helped. And Samuel, was he was putting down a monument, a reminder for Israel. I want you guys to remember this. I'm going to put a stone of remembrance here. We're going to call it Ebenezer. Thus far the Lord has helped. And here's why he did that. Was Israel done? They was just getting started. But he put a stone here. He said, because everything we did this time was right. You guys humbled yourselves. You guys repented of your sins. You guys put away the false gods. You guys returned to the Lord with all your heart. You were humble and saw God in prayer. The sacrifice went forth. God granted us. And he said, man, please don't forget this. I'm going to put a stone of remembrance here. Ebenezer stone. Thus far, the Lord has helped. Never forget this. The next time a battle is in front of you, remember this. Remember how God did it that time. Remember where you were. Remember what you did. Remember what God did. Remember that this is the scenario that God blesses. Remember how to do this because we got a whole lot of battles before us. We got enemies that are going to be coming for the rest of time. You guys need to remember this. Now, I titled the message tonight, Remember God, for that reason. I think this is so important, every one of us here, that we remember God, that we remember, even in our own lives, we got to remember God's faithfulness. We got to remember what it is. What was it like when it was good between you? And if you're not good with the Lord, what was it like when it was good? If you, if you remember in um, 
Revelation 2 5, when Jesus is ministering uh, to the church of Ephesus, how to come back. He says, Remember from where you have fallen, repent, and then repeat the first works. You've been listening to A Transforming Word. As Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 1 Samuel, this book covers some interesting history in the Jewish nation of Israel. The book starts with a prophet declaring the first king of Israel, and the book ends with the death of this same king. Why did Israel desire to have a king so badly? Was it a case of everyone else has one, so we should too? It seemed to have been a situation where the people wanted a person to rule and reign over them, rather than just trusting God to do the kingly duties. As we all know, humans have a tendency to fail and falter, and the first king of Israel was no stranger to this. King Saul started off well, but he didn't end well. Power, prestige, disobedience, and insecurity were all part of his downfall. May these messages in the book of 1 Samuel be a good reminder and a lesson that no matter what man attempts to do, without God, things will surely crumble. If you'd like to hear this message again, or listen to more messages from 1 Samuel, go to calvaryinglewood.org. If you have some questions that you'd like answered, or need someone to talk to, we're happy to speak with you and try to answer those questions. Just call or text 310-245-4811. Once more, that number is 310-245-4811. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Thank you for spending time with us today in the book of 1 Samuel, here on A Transforming Word.